Welcome to Northern Business Leaders in association with Deloitte, uh, the Accounting and Business Services Organisation. Today we're talking with Rob Feakston, who's the MD of Massam-based Black Sheep Brewery in North Yorkshire. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Now, um, we're in the visitor centre, which is a thriving heart of this uh, small market town of Massam. Um, clearly, uh, you've, you've decided to open it up to the world, to not just brew and uh, distribute from here. What was the reason for that? Massam itself, we're heart of the Yorkshire Dales, bottom end of the Yorkshire Dales, as, I, as we always say. We, we get a lot of tourists through here. We're upwards of sort of 40,000 a year that we know of. Um, it's, it's a great place to come and spend time. There are a lot of good businesses around here. So having a, a visitor centre that we can get people in, expose them to our brand and what it is to be Black Sheep is absolutely vital. Black Sheep uh, started uh, back in 92. My father, after a fairly acrimonious departure from the previous business, which was Theakston's Brewery, um, decided that brewing was in the blood. That's, that's what kind of got him going and, and wanted to start another brewery. So. Um, we've always been, as a family, always been rooted in Masson. This is our this is our home for about 14 generations, so we don't like to travel too far. Um, and he thought, Do you know what, if we could set up a brewery here, this would be amazing. Uh, this building uh, was available, managed to buy it, uh, and went about setting up um, Black Sheep um, in, in the heart of Masson, which again is very dear to our hearts as a community and, and somewhere we're, we're very fond of. So. The business was sort of set up, 92, um, really pulling together kit, equipment, plant from um, finished defunct breweries around around the country, pulled it together um, and created Black Sheep. Now, you've gone from the new kid on the block, bit of an upstart, having a bit of family rivalry, a, yeah. a quirky start to business, to being now a respected and established part of the brewing um, infrastructure of this north of England. Uh, what, what is the difference between doing business as an upstart uh, disruptor and doing business now as a respected part of the establishment? Or do you reject the premise of that question? I do a little bit. I think it's, uh, you know, ultimately we brew beer. When, when, you're, when you're starting out on a journey, um, certainly with, with, with brewing beer, such an emotive product. Everybody has a view on brewing beer. So we kind of set out, probably at the time, 92, there was only about 300 breweries in the UK at the time, led by the big boys. They were dominating the market. So it's very easy to have a free license as a business in those days. You can be a little bit more maverick. You can be a bit more fleet of foot. You can, you can attack the market in different ways. As that changes and grows and you mature as a business, I think it becomes increasingly difficult to to keep that edge, to keep that, to keep that sort of being at the forefront of, of the market. So, our challenge now, as you mature as a business, is to actually ask those core questions: What can we change? What can we evolve? Um, how do we become um, all things to all people? Having products, the right kind of products for every particular sector of the market, and making sure that we, as Black Sheep produce high quality beer to the best of our ability that people can enjoy. Well, I, I enjoy it. It's my staple whenever I go into a pub. And, and throughout the north of England, you can barely go into a pub without seeing it on the pump, which is obviously one of the most important things. It is almost ubiquitous in the north. Do you feel that you've managed to serve the northern 
beer drinker in the way you'd wish? Yeah, I wouldn't say we are ubiquitous. I think that's the greatest challenge. You know, there are lots of places we don't sell beer. I think, I think the challenge for a business like ours is that word ubiquitous is sometimes perceived as negative. It, you know, you're very popular. Mm. Oh, it's everywhere. Oh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to try your beer because I've tried it a million times before. Actually, we're not everywhere. And our, our challenge really is to, to make sure that we cement ourselves as a solid Yorkshire brewing business. Uh, has the opportunity to sell beer to, to as many people as we can, but in a multitude of varieties, not just straight best bitter or mm. the more traditional um, beer styles. We have to kind of push that out there. So not being boring, not being bland is very much part of the DNA mm. of Black Sheep. So I would, I would say we, we try to make sure that we do everything we can to, to push our products out there to people so that it doesn't feel ubiquitous. Yeah. Well, we'll talk in a minute about ways you're tackling that because uh, there are some products that are really a big surprise that you wouldn't expect black sheep to brew. But first, you were talking about Yorkshire and, and this area of Yorkshire is right at the heart of your DNA, really, isn't it? It's, it's what you're about. Even the, the ownership of the business is Yorkshire through and through. So talk about how you feel about Yorkshire and how you've actually applied those feelings to how you do trade from ownership to distribution and products. Yeah, it's an absolute anchor point. I'm, I'm kind of born and raised in Yorkshire. The business was founded and, and built out of, you know, generations of, of Yorkshire life. And I think you know, expressing that is quite difficult in terms of, you know, what does Yorkshire mean? I think it's such a strong county now. I think with the activity that's gone on to raise the profile of Yorkshire, whether that is cycling or, you know, other activities that kind of really add to the, the mystique of being from Yorkshire, it's something that we're absolutely grounded in. Even our, our fermentation style that we use, it was invented by a Yorkshireman, uh, you know, the Yorkshire Square fermentation style. It gives us the absolute DNA of being from Yorkshire. So whether that comes through in the products, that's that's a difficult one to tell. It's just a product of being where we are and based where we are. So, But they're absolutely vital to, to what we do and how we kind of push ourselves and perceive the brand as well as we push that out there. So, you know, we've used it in our uh, touch points with people when you're out there in the pubs, etc. And obviously, you know, we're supplying licensees and pubs in Yorkshire. Having Yorkshire brands and being local is absolutely key to, to what we do. So there's some big Yorkshire things you've aligned yourself with. Um, when the Grand Depart, the Tour de France came to Yorkshire, this was a very big moment in Yorkshire's modern history, and you were there. Yeah, I mean, we were, um, it, it came through Masson, the, the race itself came through Masson. I think nobody could have expected the impact that something like that cycle race could have on a region i mean we the spin out that we get from tourism and the positivity that brings is absolutely incredible you know we are a, a an industry that produces beer which is inherently drunk in social environments so lends itself to sporting events mm. to to activities that go on within and and absolutely essential to what we do so having an association with those types of events is absolutely vital it cements our position really uh, as a Yorkshire brand well, let's talk about the brand and its development the things you were alluding to earlier um, it was an unusual thing to see this brewery beloved of real ale enthusiasts produce a lager why did you do it and what's been the result 
don't think it's unusual. I think, you know, we, we make beer. I mean, that's, that's what we do as a brewery. You know, different styles of beer is probably the challenge, and that's the subset. You know, it's very logical. Our, our business was built on traditional beers, you know, traditional ales. Actually producing something like a lager is, is a natural progression for us. You know, we're seeing that. It's a, it's a, it's a category um, that's still one of the largest beer categories um, in the country at the moment. That's just a simple fact. If we didn't produce one, we would be precluding ourselves from the largest sector of the market from selling any kind of beer. I think there's a, a move certainly within the lager scene. Uh, you know, it's dominated by the big guys. They produce good lagers, but actually that craft scene is developing in there. And what you're seeing is a lot of the smaller um, beer producers creating a lager that can compete both in flavour uh, and 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 reach mm. and actually having the ability to then add to our offer on the bar so you can have a black sheet best bitter but you can also have a lager categorization and the move into different categories absolutely absolutely vital to us as a business going forward and then the other parts of the business that are not about the actual brewing are about how you get that product to market you can buy it in supermarkets you can buy it in pubs but you're beginning to own pubs as well yeah that's a, that's a big departure for us and it Again, it's another natural step. It's a very common thing for brewers to own pubs. It was a model that we, we didn't partake in for the first 23, four years of our life. Um, but certainly over the last couple of years, we've been focused quite hard on growing that in to our business. You know, getting that retail margin, getting the ability to control your product out there, getting your messages across in sat almost satellite businesses is absolutely vital and something that we wholeheartedly went for. So yeah, the addition of York Brewery and its pubs um, on the, just pre-Christmas uh, was, was a natural step for us and one that we took advantage of. So you've bought another brewery, um, which has a modest brewing capacity. Presumably you're going to use that to brew modest amounts and get them out there as mm -hmm. niche products. Yeah, not necessarily niche. I mean, the York, the York beers are, are renowned beers. York Guzzler, you know, great mm. beers, um, really driven around the York region. It's another opportunity for us to get mm. multiple products on a bar as well at the same time. Great beers into you know, the local area and, and supporting what is a, you know, a fantastic business in itself. And then the other issue is uh, getting these products to the market. You, um, at the moment, uh, you, you, you're in the middle of an investment program, I understand, so that not only are you manufacturing the liquid, but you're bottling it too. Well, we're looking to bottle it. Um, you know, our, our greatest challenge at the moment is that we can only really produce and put beer into casks, the traditional mm. nine-gallon cask. Um, in this market where we've seen the number of products that we need to produce exponentially grow over the last two years, um, that puts cost pressure on the business. You know, we're having to subcontract that out. That has a cost implication to our business. We're always looking at efficiency. We've got to run leaner. We've got to run smarter. Um, so the introduction and development and the investment in a packaging line for us that will allow us to put beer into cans, bottles, kegs, mini kegs, all the products you see on the supermarket shelf or out there in the pubs um, has to be a natural, a, a natural route for us and a, a bit of a no-brainer really. So that's what we're focused on at the moment. We're looking at a 12-month project, £2 million investment, you know, creating seven jobs in the Yorkshire region, which is absolutely vital and supporting the community, which we, we value hugely. 
Let's turn to the family. You, you started the uh, interview today talking about how your dad founded the business. And um, how did you get into this business? It, it wasn't just being the, the son of the founder, was it? No, we're a PLC. There is no God-given right to get into this business. You've got to work hard and earn your stripes. I, I did agriculture, actually, as a degree. If I'd been sharp enough, I'd have probably been a vet. I did the wrong A-levels, but that's, that's another story altogether. Um, but actually, for me, the brewery was started in, in being put together, certainly in around 1990. I'd left college and you're kind of umming and ahhing. Um, we were pretty cheap labour, myself and my brothers, uh, in the business. So we got drafted in. And brewing's funny, it kind of gets in under your skin, it gets in your blood. Um, it is in our blood, but it, it certainly uh, magnifies itself in there when you're involved in it. I think over time I kind of realised that, do you know what, I actually quite enjoy this. Um, so, you know, classically uh, in the brewing industry, we're a very social bunch. Uh, we talk to other breweries. We're not, we're not an Apple and a Microsoft. You know, we, we will share information. We will talk mm -hmm. to each other. Um, and actually what that means is you can have a conversation with another brewer and say, look, you know, there's a guy here who wants to come and work for you. Is that possible? They would say yes. So I went off and did a, what would it probably be described as a brewing apprenticeship in itself. Went off and worked for Shepherd Neen, beer seller in London, selling beer, uh, brewing beer. I worked at Carlsberg Tetley for two years on shift brewing. Learn how the big guys do it, the smaller guys do it. Really get your grounding. Whilst coming back into this business in between those times, uh, out on the drays, you know, putting beer in casks, getting my HGV licenses, the broad kind of grounding um, so that when you come back into the business, people can't turn around to you and say, well, you've just dropped in here and you know nothing. You know, you've, you've put a shift and you've, you've earned your stripes in that sense. And that's what I did. Um, and it was a vitally important, I wouldn't change it for the world, a vitally important yeah. part of what I did. So you could actually, if you needed to, turn your hand to looking after the, uh, the actual brewing uh, uh, vessels or you could drive the barrels to the pub. I could give that a go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. that's important. Now, you were joint MD with your dad for a period. Come on, honestly, what was that like? Um, my dad is um, an incredibly, um, I'm trying to pick the right words, um, balanced, calm person. You know, I could probably tell you tales, oh, it was terrible, we did this, this, you know, he, we battled constantly, we didn't really. My, my dad recognised the need that this was a transition, understood that, um, you know, transferring that, that, that role and that job to me was a process that we had to go through that needed to be positively supported, and he was fantastic at that, actually. And even now, as he's sort of stepped back from that joint MD role, and he's now sort of pretty much fully retired, and, you know, he's still supportive, he's still there, but very much hands off, lets us get on with it uh, and recognises that. So I can't tell you any dirty, uh, <laughs> dirty well, secrets great. or I stories, mean, but, it, but it, for, for me, it was a good process. It was, it was well thought out. We planned it well. So we talked about it, laid a structured plan for it. And I think that was key fundamentally. And he went from um, running it to being chairman, but then you, well, as he retired, you brought in somebody as the chairman, uh, Andy Slee. Yep from outside the family. First, how did you find him? And second, how easy going was that? Yeah, again, we are a PLC. You know, we have to be um, bound by corporate governance rules. You know, moving from a, a managing director to being chairman isn't necessarily what you should do, but actually in the, the interest of Black Sheep, we are, we are a little bit of a hybrid in that sense. Fam the family DNA runs strong and it's what we're built on. So 
we, we felt that was okay for, for that time period. But when certainly my father decided that you know it was time to kind of step back, Andy, who's ex-Punch, run you know a number of retail outlets out there. That that retail experience was something that we felt we needed. But he's such a calm, level-headed guy. Um, actually, I mean, he spends a lot of time dealing with politicians in Westminster. So you you've kind of got to be some a cross between the UN and a chairman. Yeah. UN ambassador in that so his move to becoming chairman was was a very natural one for me um, actually having a non family member as your chairman is, is probably better uh, it's an easier relationship to have you can have a much more direct relationship you avoid that sort of confrontation with um, with kind of bells and whistles on it if it's a family member and it just allows you to be more direct. And actually, for me, it's it's a, a bit of a breath breath of fresh air, to be honest. Now, you've talked about being a PLC. Um, you also have a, a decent-sized staff here. Um, obviously, that means as MD, you've got lots of different uh, competitions on your time and on who is your priority. Is it the shareholders? Uh, is it the staff? Or is it the customer, the person who goes in the pub and has to pay for the pint? Who is your customer, Rob? I, I think it's all of the above, actually, in, in varying degrees of um, influence at any particular one moment. You know, shareholders, absolutely, you know, we're, we're protecting their investment. We want to drive this investment forward that they've, they've spent their hard-earned putting into and, and making work. So 100% want the business to succeed in that. That only succeeds if you've got customers. So looking after your customers, making sure they're right, and selling your beer and, and presenting it in the best way possible it is vital and the only reason you can make it or get it there is because you've got employees and making sure they're happy uh, they're they're focused on the job that they're doing is absolutely key as well so all, all of the above really in equals equal measure and, and it's probably a fair point to say because people listening to this may as you've used the word plc and i've talked about shareholders with you may think we're talking about a more traditional plc but in this case the shareholders tend to be local, they might be beer drinkers, they might be staff, so the shareholders might be all of the above too. This is not the usual PLC we're talking about. It is in its, in its rawest terms, mm. but in terms, of, in terms of the way the shareholders approach the business, it's very much a family feel. You know, They feel part of that. They invested in my father and his vision for what he wanted and turning away from the big boys when, when Scottish and Newcastle took Feakston's. It was very much a David and Goliath thing. Mm. They invested in that. A lot of our shareholders are day one shareholders. Mm. You know, a lot of very small, small shareholders, but as, as important as the bigger shareholders. But they're all passionate. They all mm. care about this brand and what it, what it represents and what it can be. So they're very supportive actually underneath that in, in the main um, and actually help actually in, in the day-to-day -day. when we get them together at the AGM yes the, the lure of free beer at an AGM has got to be a, um, a positive one but ultimately they're supportive they're there for us let's talk about alcohol in the drinks industry in the round I, I pulled off the um, health stats from the NHS and it's sort of I suppose where government is it, they like to talk about alcohol as being a bad thing and you get things like uh, um, the number of hospital admissions due to alcohol being you know, a third of a million. But then you see that the government's own um, propaganda, for want of a better word, is discouraging drinking and actually drinking is going down. Yeah. Uh, only 58% of adults drank alcohol in the last week, according to recent data. 
and uh, alcohol consumption is going down by about 1% a year. Is this something that you take due cognizance of, the patterns to do with health and, and to do with the way the general public consume alcohol? Has it changed in the 25 years? Yeah, I think, I think if you went back sort of 20, 30 years, you know, alcohol was certainly in, in a higher consumption, uh, higher consumption in those days. I think, I think more people nowadays are more uh, health aware. I think they're more balanced in terms of what they, what they do with their, with their time. You know, yes, we have to be a, a responsible business. You know, we, we, we will push messages about, you know, drink responsibly, those sorts of things, but people are, are naturally, by way of the messaging that's coming through, managing their, their alcohol consumption. But it's something that we're, we're acutely aware of um, and, and try and manage accordingly. So, you know, things like low alcohol, no alcohol beers, you know, they're talking of that being 300 million in the next 10 years in value terms. You know, that's a sector of the market that we, we want to play in. Um, you know, there's no duty on alcohol-free beer. It's still retailing at the same price. You know, we, we pay a lot in duty to the government each year. That's, that's of interest to me as a business. Um, if we can make money out of that, then, then 100% and be socially responsible, 100% need to be. Um, you know, most of our beers are low alcohol, so a standard Best Bitters 3.8 compared to a, a bottle of wine at 15, 16, 17%. Um, it's, it's a more socially responsible drink in that sense, in moderation. So we'll always be looking for, for opportunities and angles within that, um, but making sure that we're responding to, to the market. You know, the, the generations that are coming through now aren't drinking, you know, it, it's a simple fact. We've got to find ways to, to engage with them and make sure that, you know, responsibly we, we, can, we can keep our message going and our product and our business going. Well, this is the fermenting room. Yeah. Uh, this is the engine room of a brewery. You know, this is the moment where we we turn a sugary kind of liquid into an alcoholic beverage. Uh, so these are traditional Yorkshire Square fermenting vessels. And before you say it, I know they're round. Um, that was an adaption that we made, easier to clean. Squares have corners. Um, traditionally, because they were made out of stone, slate, you needed square sections of them in order to put them together, whereas stainless steel allows you to make and create uh, a more rounded version of it. So these are the, the classic Yorkshire squares. Uh, these came from Hartley's in Ulverston, which is now deceased as a brewery, um, made out of Welsh slate, uh, very traditional, um, a, cracking, a cracking vessel, but very difficult to maintain temperatures in. Temperatures in brewing are very, very key. Okay, well, let's conclude with a quick fire round about you and your working life and your work-life balance and so on. What, what's your working day like? What time do you get up in the morning? Uh, I'm quite lazy, um, and I'm lucky that my kids are at school in Massam, so I'm, I'm a sort of 7.30 to 8 o'clock rise, which, right. is, which is quite late, I think, for most. Yes. And um, what does the working day, do you take the kids to school then come in? or? No, my wife, my wife takes the kids to school in the main. Um, I'll be in at sort of nine, um, catching up with people. You know, in my role, there's a lot of people management, mm -hmm. um, catching up on the dreaded emails, making sure you're mm -hmm. knocking things over, um, meetings, usual, usual kind of fare within a day. Mm -hmm. um, Are you on the road a lot, meeting? Uh, uh, more and more so now that we've got York Brewery, I'll be down there, try to get in um, if it's once a week or twice you know, once every two weeks, then absolutely try and get down there. Um, and yeah, pulled more and more um, around the country for, for various things, whether it's industry things or, or what have you, so. All right, how much sleep do you get diverse. a night? Um, plenty, 
<laughs> right? Um, what exercise do you do in a week? Um, I play five-a-side football, um, which uh, hurts me more and more as I get older, and I try and bike a bit as well. So I've got my turbo trainer out in preparation for the, uh, the summer cycling season, so I'm one of those folks that get dressed up in lycra. Okay. What couldn't you live with without? What, what couldn't you live without? My family. Your family? Who inspires you? That's a good question. I wouldn't have anyone specific uh, that inspires me, but certainly when you see, um, when I watch any kind of sporting event or something, when you see someone kind of um, um, going that extra mile or, or achieving something, I do get a bit teary over that sort of thing. So the sports mm. tears can kind of come. So that, that, does, that does inspire anyone that kind of achieves something that, that they didn't think was possible. Those sorts of things inspire me, but no one, no one specific. I'm not a sort of Muhammad Ali or someone like that. What book did you last read? I don't really read. I'm terrible at reading. I should do. I should do more and more, but uh, it was probably a Clive Cussler about <laughs> right. two years ago. And what is your favourite drink that isn't Black Sheep product? That's not a Black Sheep mm. product. Uh, beer or non-beer? Well, it's an open question. Um, if it was beer, they'd hate me for saying it, but probably Timothy Taylor's. Landlord is a bloody good pint of beer. Can't fault that. Um, but I don't mind a drop of wine occasionally. So yeah, it'd probably be a, a glass of wine. I'd go for Yorkshire tea. Yeah, it could do. But a pint of black sheep you see, my, 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 other, my other problem is I've given up caffeine, so ah, I'd, have to go, I'd have to go for a decaf, and it's not quite the not same. Not quite the same. It's not quite the same. And the logical final question, what is your favorite black sheep product? Um, I'd have to instantly go for black sheep ale. Just as an all-rounder, I think it's, it's a strong ale. Um, in terms of it, it was a, Traditionally, you'd have a best bitter, but there was almost like a strong best bitter. Um, I just think it's a great all-rounder. It's, it's available in the supermarket. It's just a fantastic beer. And it's one of our original. It was one of the first ones we did. Rob Thiessen, thank you very much for being a Northern business leader. Thank you. Absolute pleasure.